Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my brother and co-host Evan. Hey, hello. And tonight we are joined by Yates Spencer from Athena Skillets. Yates, welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Devin, what do you got for us today? All right, this is a long one, so hold on to your butts. I'm going to try to do it all in one go. All right. <laughs> we are, after all, citizens of the world, a world filled with bacteria, some friendly, some not so friendly. Do we really want to travel in hermetically sealed pope mobiles through the rural provinces of France, Mexico, or the Far East, eating only in hard rock cafes or McDonald's? Or do we want to eat without fear, tearing into the local stew, the humble mystery meat, the sincerely offered gift of a lightly grilled fish head? I know what I want. I want it all. I want to try everything once. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, Senor Tamale, stand owner, Sushi Chef Sam, uh, Monsieur Buckethead. What's that feathered game bird hanging on the porch, getting riper by the day, the body nearly ready to drop off? I want some. Cooking is a craft, I like to think. And a good cook is a craftsman, not an artist. There's nothing wrong with that. The great cathedrals of Europe were built by craftsmen, though not designed by them. Practicing your craft in expert fashion is noble, honorable, and satisfying. I'll generally take a stand-up mercenary who takes pride in his professionalism over an artist any day. End scene. Nice. That's <laughs> <laughs> that is very poetic. Very uh, uh, that's that's great. I like um, very long and poetic. <laughs> yeah. Any no, and, any any guess, yeah. Dustin or Yates on. What that's it's from a book by a famous personality. Hmm. I have no idea. Uh, is it like Anthony Bourdain? It is like Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it yeah, is. Nice. It's like because it is. Hey, all right, nice. It's I, from as you were like you're going through. It, it was kind of remind me of like a travel food show yeah. type idea. You know, someone who's willing to go out and go places and try things and be part of that culture and learn and and seek knowledge and seek enjoyment from the craftspeople of those different places so, yeah it's from his his the book that made him like kind of began him as a star the um mm. it's called Ki kitchen confidential really good book really good read and then after that that's when he started a tv show and you know did all the stuff he's done but um yeah right. so the beginning just a general feeling which i liked and I do like about that that exploring food and being adventurous. But I, I mean, I also like when I went on my my honeymoon to Europe, we definitely did stop at McDonald's. Definitely not all the time, but there were times <laughs> when we were so tired and like there was nothing open or we didn't feel like having a three hour meal. <laughs> you know, we were just like, let's sit here and have a burger in in uh, in London or something. But um, I like that, and then I also like. Well, it depends, right? The whole, we, we constantly go over it about what's a craftsman, what's an artist, mm -hmm. but being called either or, I, sometimes it's just, it's almost equal to yeah. me. Or, or you know, you could kind of, 
I think craftsman's always honorable, and you can give an artist crap. Maybe it's not less honorable, <laughs> but there's more room for making fun of them. <laughs> I like that. I agree. I mean, I think I think the uh, the boundaries of what an artist is um, are are maybe wider or maybe are less defined. So mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. you know, when someone says they're an artist, it can kind of encompass a lot of things. And so, but a craftsman usually has a specialty in a certain craft, right? So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'm a craftsman in this, or like I, I focus on this. And I think we understand that craftsmanship is something that, you know, takes time and some, uh, some focus and some, you know, I guess just something, something a little bit more, or I guess maybe something more definable than art artist. Yeah. It's a little bit less definable. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And he seems to be making some sort of distinction in his mind that seems clear in his mind between a craftsman and an artist. Uh, But I mean, you know, traditionally, Artists were people who had really developed a craft. Uh, they, they really learned a craft. And then they become an artist because they, they found a way to express themselves through it uh, rather than just cooking the mm-hmm. same, same meals that, you know, they were always taught and was part of their culture and everything. They, they then would learn to uh, come up with something new and express something through that, through this craft that they had learned. And I think that's a little bit lost mm-hmm. in his, in this distinction that he's making. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Cause yeah. it's, it's that it's the under, understanding the craft so well that then you can elaborate on it or abstract on it. And then that, and you know, do something new, pull something new from it, right. which is then maybe where it turns to the art. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and and that's again that's always one of those things and and it's obviously defined in the name of our channel and the podcast the art of craftsmanship is like right. what is that you know like mm-hmm. there's always something there that's something that I've always felt was really important um, all the way back to when I was stretching canvases in art school and how I was just enjoying the the pure stretched canvas with the gesso on it just cleaning everything done really well and really tight. I was having almost just as much enjoyment of that as I was creating a painting then on that canvas. Sure. So I like right. at that point I knew there was something really important about the making and the doing and that object that was important. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, re- I remember one time one of your, I, I don't know if it was a sculpture project us when you were in, in college and we, you, we stretched canvas between branches in a tree Yep. So it was like mm-hmm. this giant, um, hmm. it was like cool. many sails, or I, I forget mm-hmm. exactly what it was. But that was yeah. one of those things, It's it's you feel like you're doing a craft almost, or like we said, it's you could say either one, but it's definitely at the end of it, it the, the combined thing is a, is a, a piece of art. Right. right. Yeah, it's like the 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 physicality of of wrapping and and this like tightening and adjusting that feels like it's a craft like it's something where it takes some skill and some ability and then the final piece the concept the concept of it and then the 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 interaction between the viewer and the piece is then when the art happens i believe so right i don't know now before we give yates's intro um just a sneak peek he does all types of great cookware now, do you feel the whole time, I'll put you on the spot, do you feel as an artist doing it or do you feel as a craftsman when you are doing 10 handles in a row, maybe as, a, as, as separate pieces, it's not a, a thing of 
finished art, maybe you're just more of a craftsman as you're doing on the assembly line. And then at the end, you kind of can stand back and say, this is a piece of art. Which way do you see it? Well, I, it's for me, you know, I started doing this when I was 12 years old. And like in the shop that I was working, there was this real effort to balance the craft work and the, the artwork. Uh, and there was this understanding that they fed each other. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I'm always kind of feel like mm -hmm. I'm doing both, uh, regardless of what the product, the end product mm -hmm. of the, the specific mm -hmm. thing I'm making. It's always, it's all the same big ball of wax, I guess, in my mind. So I, I don't really know mm -hmm. that I have the feeling that, uh, you know, making skillets is not art uh, or that making skillets is just purely craft because I mean it's already happened like I've had I've been you know making the same handle that I've made 50 times before or more and come up with an, a new idea uh, it's just it's all mm -hmm. part it's all part of you know being in it to me I guess if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah yeah, that's sure. that's a great that's a great answer yeah that makes a ton of sense because i i mean i can completely relate as an artist and as a craftsman that it's about being in that moment in the creation of it and all the parts of that are all part of it's all craft and art mixed together right like when i'm when i'm picking colors on my you know palette to mix together and i'm mixing them and i'm doing it really smooth and consistent and scraping and flipping and getting those colors mixed that's in that moment that might not be art but that's all part of it. It's all wrapped up that like, exactly. that's yeah. more of a craft of like, how do I use my hand to do this thing to mix these colors? And then I take that color and then put it on the palette. Right. So that's all part of that being in the moment. Right. That's, that's a great example. All right. Well, on that note, I do want to introduce Yates. So today we have Yates Spencer um, from Athena skillets with us. He's uh, at Athena underscore skillets on Instagram. Uh, Yates is a blacksmith um, for longtime blacksmith turned more culinary uh, cookware tool maker and more recently in your life. And then you have a family run business with your sons, um, which touches our souls. Cause we have that kind of background as well with our dad. Right. And, uh, and to be honest, um, I don't know a ton about you. We, you reached out to me recently and we kind of had this quick conversation back and forth and you hit me like right at the perfect time when I was like, I need someone for the podcast this week. Oh. And I started talking to you and I was like, perfect timing. Yay. Do mm -hmm. you want to join us? And you were like, it's perfect. So, so welcome to the craftsmanship podcast. And, Thanks for uh, having me. And we're excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I, I kind of read up on you briefly from, from what I could find online. And, um, one of the, one of the things that I'm really interested in is about hearing kind of your story. Like you, you alluded to it where you started learning blacksmithing when you were 12. So can you like take us back then? And for a 12 year old, I mean, when I was 12, I, I knew I loved art, but you know, I, I, I had no real direction other than like drawing comics and hanging out in school with my friends, you know? So right. So what were you doing then? Like what really got you into blacksmithing and how'd that go? Uh, it started when my parents had a railing made uh, for our house. And uh, the local blacksmith, who was a good family friend, uh, came and installed it. And he had to cer take certain elements out into the yard and get them hot with a torch and bend them. And I was just fascinated. I just like I could not get my eyes off of it and he, he saw that uh, and he offered uh, to show me some things so uh, not long after that I started going into his uh, studio and uh, doing some basic things and uh, 
we hit it off and it, it, it all kind of worked. It was, he was only 10 years older than me, but he, he was also somebody who had started very young and was very, oh, pa- gotcha. very passionate about it uh, and had already really learned a lot. Uh, and hmm. uh, he was very much into sculpture uh, and mostly metal, but other forms of sculpture, sculpture hmm. as well. So there was definitely this um balance all of the time between you know doing this craft work which you know that's what pays the bills uh, and uh mm-hmm. doing sculpture which yep. you know when you sell it great but it's not really what it's about uh, so i continued to apprentice yeah, with him right. uh through my teenage years and uh, you know at, at times i would really in there a lot uh, other times you know i was playing sports or whatever, you know, had a girlfriend or whatever right. and not doing yeah. as much of uh, that. But uh, I really did stick with it. Uh, and I was so very – So what, what were you – what were you guys making? Sorry, like what were you making at the time there? I know you said you said some sculpture and some metalwork. Was that like architectural stuff, like railings and things? Is that more that kind of production work as well as some of the artistic? Both. Stuff we inside? were doing all we were doing all of that. I've kind of always dug, kept all those things going. Okay. Uh, and uh, okay. yeah. it's it's not it's it's just kind of. It's good to have all. You always have something to do, (laughs) you know. Uh, Like you don't have to worry about like when you're doing commission work all the time. uh, You know, you get sucked into a commission that can last weeks or months or something. And if there's a snag in any way, and and you're all of a sudden you can't do anything, like you could go make a sculpture or do some production work or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, the production stuff was always. Everything I've been involved in is very small scale. Uh, so it's dealing with galleries and, uh, right. you know, a handful of mm. galleries usually. So it's not like you're, you know, somebody's waiting on your truckload of product or something like that, you know. Uh, so it was, right. it was right. very, gotcha. very, very flexible, the, the production work, always and for me. Nice. Until with yeah. the, skillet, the skillet thing has become more of a focus for me recently. Uh, but the the production right. work has never really been uh, the total focus in this way. Gotcha. So so that's kind of taking you up through high school. Um, after high school, what did you do? Did you go right into right? I mean, I would like to say something else guy? about that. I was very fortunate in that yeah, the sure. guy the guy who taught me. Uh, really spent a lot of one-on-one time with me and that that's how you learn the craft Mm. of blacksmithing it is it's extraordinarily difficult to learn in a classroom setting or by yourself people do it i mean they're they're you know it happens uh, but it really there's a reason that you know traditionally you serve as an apprentice that's how you learn it Uh, and it's because you need that one-on-one instruction particularly with the ergonomics uh, of how to use your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I, was, I was very fortunate that I was really drilled in all of that stuff, and I had a set of eyeballs on me to, like, mm-hmm. you know, say, no, man, you're, you know, swing the hammer like this, or, you know, when you're grinding, move from your ankles, or uh, all those kinds of things. And yeah. I, it really established for me all sorts of patterns, not just physically, but also just how, you know, I thought about things, approached things uh, that 
I just don't think would have happened had I not had that one on one instruction at such an early age. Uh, right. So uh, that was right. Lee, Lee Souter was the name of the man who uh, I apprenticed under, and uh, it really benefited me benefited me a lot. And I would like to mention that. So, what uh, what year was that when you were? Uh, like 82 or 83 is when it started Uh, right and then so I worked through high I worked through high school after high school I took a year and spent most of it just blacksmithing Uh, and then I went to college and I I really wanted to study sculpture but it was it just seemed like literally the the sculpture the metal sculpture program literally they had a torch you know, and I was like, well, I can go home and have this mm-hmm. whole shop and <laughs> do all this stuff I've been doing for years. Like, why would I do that here? Uh, and so I really didn't. I, I did take right. several several drawing classes, uh, which was great. Uh, but I ended mm-hmm. up studying geology, uh, which actually, oh. <laughs> in, a, in a roundabout way, ended up greatly influencing my artwork. Uh, I, I really got into to studying uh a lot of structural geology, which in structural geology, they have this way of describing the way that shapes deform. Uh, and mm, basic, okay. basic, basically, the, the whole idea is you just start with a sphere and any event can be described by how does the sphere change. Uh, and so I, I studied mm. that and it, and it fascinated me because I just, you know, I'd been watching metal change for so many years, changed in shape. And uh, I ended up just kind of applying that to hot metal and basically creating shapes and then tr- and watching how they deform and trying to really exploit the the plasticity of metal. Uh, and that that knowledge that I gained through geology really ser- has served me well uh, in understanding how the metal is changing mm. shape. So, right. I, so I, were I, you the, getting into like, did you get into more like metallurgy as well, or is just more the kind of the concept of how those things change? Right. I mean, you you have to get into metallurgy to a certain extent, uh, but I cannot right. say that I have ever got really thoroughly educated in metallurgy. My mm-hmm. my most for the most part, the metallurgy I know is the stuff I need to know to make stuff. Uh, like I've never really gotten heavy into the chemistry of it. Uh, it's okay. just, I, I had, you know, I, uh, the, the chemistry I was studying was about rocks and minerals. It was not metal specific. Uh, so right. yeah, I, I never have gotten too deep okay. into that. Right. So then I, I went to college right. and, uh, um, dirt, and you say, so you say, go ahead. Yeah. Go, uh, I was uh, going to say, yeah, you talked about how, how that was, um, reflecting into your artwork that type the way those shapes move in the sphere so what type like kind of give us an overview uh, if if you can about like what 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 did the artwork the sculpture that you were making what did they kind of look like right so uh probably the easiest one to describe uh, without images was i would start with a cube a cube of steel uh, and these cubes would be anywhere from one inch uh, up to four inch cubes, uh, and I would slice okay. them with a, slice them with a bandsaw, and but I wouldn't slice them all the way through. Uh, and so I would slice, mm-hmm. you know, varying degrees through the 
uh, cube on various angles and then get the whole thing hot. And usually I would put it up on one corner underneath the power hammer or the press and squish it out, if that makes sense. Uh, and so yep. I was, I was, I get like this fan effects. If you can imagine the, where I've put those slices, it, it wants to mm. slide past itself. Uh, and so I made a bunch of, yeah. I mean, I remember at one point I bought a 12-foot-long bar of 3-inch square stock uh, and sliced it up to cu into Ooh. cubes. Yeah, uh, And then I bought a big old 4-inch <laughs> square piece as well. And I, a lot of these I would end up um, squishing them out flat. Like even the 3- the and 4-inch cubes, I would squish them out until they were like a quarter-inch thick. Uh, and oh, wow. uh, then I would raise them and I would make flowers sometimes or bowls or other three-dimensional objects using that as, you know, my, my starting point. Um, another thing, I, I did a lot of twists. Oh, you know, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of blacksmiths love to do twists. Mm -hmm. So I got into, you know, really studying, <laughs> studying how things deform when you twist them. So I would take bars and mm -hmm. drill lots of holes in the sides of the bars and drill the holes close enough to each other where one hole would influence the hole next to it and influence the hole next to it. And so they would deform together mm -hmm. and some of them would make, you know, like hourglass shapes. Some of them, like the edge between the two holes would break and it would make barbs. Uh, and then I would use those as elements in mm -hmm. architectural or sculptural pieces. Uh, that's great. Yeah, as you were explaining that, that's kind of what I started to imagine was the was the scoring into like twisting a square bar to get like an interesting pattern when you twist it. Right. Um, and seeing how you would take that idea and turn that into an art art form where starting with a shape, cutting in different angles and then just squishing it, see what it does, how it moves, how when you release the tension between areas of the steel cube, then it like it will make a shape. And I can imagine too that that would be variable based off of how it was heated all the way through or I mean, you're not ha you're not holding that that cube of steel exactly the same way every single time. So you might get like even with the same cuts, you might get a variation of movement. Oh, shape. absolutely, that's, that's absolutely really interesting. That's cool. Oh yeah, and you can like yeah. do the same cuts and then just squish it on a different corner and see what happens. You know, and I mean, you, it's, right? Yeah, you, you can yeah. go on and on. You know, <laughs> and that's a a huge uh, advantage of starting so young because I'm sure you made a bunch of either weird cuts or mistakes and then it turned out to be something interesting or you didn't even think about it until later on in life when you're starting to think more artistically and you're like oh well i remember i put these two holes too close together and when i twisted they broke it in a funny way but you like that'd be perfect for the center of this flower or whatever like it's such a great thing you had uh, such a backlog of experience yeah and you know when you're young like that you have this and i mean obviously people keep it with whatever they do later into life but you have at that age you have so much wonder like you're just like i can't wait to see what it does that whatever it does mm -hmm. you're excited you know and so and you just keep going because mm -hmm. it's not about finishing it it's about it's you're you're really keyed up on the experience of uh doing it and seeing what happens uh, and I, i've I'm known for making mountains of scrap metal. I mean, that's uh, that's just kind of <laughs> like, you know, I, like it, it doesn't bother me. Like I really, uh, I enjoy the process that much that uh, it's really the doing of it that keeps me going. Mm, that's great. 
Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, that's so important. And I think that's another one of the reasons why we've tried to keep the projects that we do on the channel so variable, so versatile because mm -hmm. of like I want to have that excitement of doing something. I, it's the it's the projects. It's the the action of doing something that's exciting. And I don't want to get into the, you know, like where we're doing one type of thing over and over again, because that's the thing that everyone likes to see on the YouTube channel. You know, it's like I right. like to keep it keep it keep it exciting for me by doing lots of different things and right. um you know and, and it's all about that right it's about the mm -hmm. like so many of the thing projects i do are it's like the first time i've done something and i'm kind of experiencing it with other people and then i'll go back to something that i've done before and just those experiences of doing other things for the first time it really it right. it makes me excited about you know all of the projects so yeah. i can definitely see that mm -hmm. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So now we're like, you're in college, you're starting, you're doing some of the artwork and that's, and then you're like kind of moving through because you understand, okay, maybe I can do all this, um, in my own shop, you know, you're getting what you can out of it, but you're moving on. So then where are you going at that point? What are you doing with this, uh, the new skills you have? At one point I took a, skills. right. At one point I took a semester off from college and decided I was going to go to California and find a job as a blacksmith. Uh, and it worked out great. It really worked out. I was, uh, I found a really cool job where I was, I just stepped into this shop at exactly the right time. The, the man who ran it was in his late forties and his shoulders had gone bad and he really could hardly swing a hammer anymore. Uh, but he had a welder, he had a guy who could, who would do all the welding. Uh, it was, you know, that was his thing. And then another guy who would do the finish work and uh, that kind of thing. And so he needed somebody to do layout and forging. Uh, and I just, you know, I started doing it and mm. it worked out. That's and perfect. It, yeah, it was so it was really cool. Uh, yeah. And I loved it. Uh, and so I did that and I wanted to stay, actually. Uh, but he uh, convinced me to go back and finish college. Uh, so I did. Mm. Uh, and then I actually went after I finished college, I went back and worked for him uh, for another, I don't know, year or two. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, 1994 or five or whatever. And uh, one big factor was that the economy in California tanked at that time and people were no longer spending a lot of money mm -hmm. on fancy metal architectural projects. Uh, but there, there were other factors with him and the right. shop and everything. And so after a year or two, it was, uh, it was time for me to move on. Uh, and so I came back to Virginia and uh, Went back to work in uh, the shop that I had always worked in, but the, the arrangement was very different. Where mm -hmm. it, it was it was a a good sized shop, and Lee was uh, very generous in sharing it with me, uh, and I worked for him as well as doing my right. own work uh, for a while. And I got involved in other doing other things as well. I. Uh, tried to start this organic farming school with my family, uh, which we got pretty far along with. <laughs> you know, we were kind of ahead of the, mm -hmm. the curve there, uh, but that ended up yeah. kind of falling apart. But that was a very cool project. We restored all these old barns and a 150-year-old cabin and all that kind of thing. Oh, and wow. then I, I got into other kinds of projects and I kind of I kept coming back to the blacksmithing uh, you know and, and yeah. it was 
it was made that was possible because I kind of had a, an open invitation, uh, you know, to come back to it. So I would do other things. I would come back uh, and uh, got involved in doing. Uh, I was like a project manager on some construction jobs and uh, kind of got to the point where it was like, all right, like it's time to either really jump into this and or not. And it just wasn't for me. <laughs> you know, I like my that's just not my yeah, world. Right. Uh, so I uh, sorry, were you say something. No, uh, so yeah, I was going to say early, you mentioned you mentioned that you uh, you got into organic farming with your family. Is that with your like your your brother's sister's parents or is that your you know it, wife it was, and son's family no no this was before them this was my sister was really the organic farmer okay. uh it was actually uh some great aunts of my dad's who uh had this oh, cool. old farm that had been in their family for over 100 years and there were only two of them left there were like eight siblings in the family and only two of, they all lived like into their 80s 90s there were these two sisters left and they were in their 90s and uh it started when uh i agreed to refurbish this old cabin which was literally a tool shed uh, and uh, just tore mm -hmm. it down to okay. down to the logs and added something on and made a little house out of it. And the idea was they wanted somebody living on the property who they knew and they could call on to. They they were incredibly just fiercely independent. Didn't want anybody in the house. You know, they wanted <laughs> you know, even though yeah, they were in their right. they were in their nineties. Yeah. You know, uh, but they they yeah, did want somebody yeah. on the property. And so the whole thing ended up morphing into this much larger project. Uh, and so I, I was not the farmer. My sister was the farmer. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, at that time, okay. I, I wanted to live there and I wanted to turn one of those barns into a blacksmith. I mean, one of them had been a blacksmith shop, uh, you know, 100 years ago. Uh, oh, cool. And, and yeah. so I, I wanted to get that That's going cool. again, but it's not worth getting into. But the, the whole thing ended up not happening. So. I did live there for gotcha. maybe a year yeah. or something, but we, and we, you know, we let all the fields lay fallow for, I think a year and uh, we're trying, because it, it mm -hmm. the, they'd had cattle in there and it, it, they'd sprayed all kinds of things, you know, chemicals on it uh, for quite some time. And right. it, it needed to kind of return to the earth for a while. So we were in that process when the whole thing ended, so. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's interesting that you say that you, that was kind of in the beginning of, of that kind of the, the kind of green movement, I would say, right. right so organic sure. farming and things. It's, it's interesting that you, you like almost had that going, but, uh, but that's cool. Yeah. I like, I mean, I love, um, I love all, you know, historic and vintage things and just the, the history that's in an object. And so I can imagine the history that's in like this, this part, this farm that was part of your family and these buildings that have been there for so long and just being able to spend some time in them and taking them apart and rebuilding them and, you know, having this history there, it sounds really interesting to me. So oh, it was amazing. Cool. So there was one barn, it was probably 60 feet square and, and, we we fill we we filled the whole thing up with all the stuff we found and cataloged it. I mean, it was it was like a museum of Jeez. early twentieth century Jeez. technology. It, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. we 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 um we grew up on a farm as well. That was in the mm -hmm. family for a long time. And I mean, I was 
so young, Dustin was just a little bit older, but still, I remember going through the barns and just, um, like mystery and you're constantly finding old things and interesting things and right. like yeah. getting lost. I mean, a, uh, a big, a big wide open farm is such a, a fun, exciting place to be, or at least I guess from our views growing yeah. up on the, Me on too. the farm. Yeah. I did not get to grow yeah. up on a farm. Yeah. I, I grew up on the side of a, a small mountain uh, in the woods. So I, I, had never really spent a lot of time on a farm, so it was really cool for me. That's great. A cabin, your, a, a cabin yeah, in the woods yeah. is cool too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did your How did your sister get into farming? How was that? Uh, I don't re- I don't really remember how she got into it originally, uh, but she was very pa- she still is very passionate about it. Uh, so the, she's ended up uh, doing That's quite great. a bit of quite yeah. a bit of that uh, over the years. It sounds nice. like uh, our brother Derek. He's definitely into as much organic and and uh, and, and green stuff as he can eat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, so now we're moving on again. So I, I'm trying to like see where we were because I kind of pulled you back to the farm stuff because that was kind of interesting right. to me because we grew up on a farm. But um, right. so after that, you then you started you decided to you kind of kept coming back to blacksmithing. I did. I, I kept coming back to it. I would do all these other things and uh, they just, you know, as soon as I would see that hot metal, man, it just, it would suck me in. Like I had to get back in there and be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, yeah. uh, you know, I, and that's another thing I did. I spent a year managing a small company where I would take anywhere from three to 15 guys way out into the mountains and we would gather landscaping boulders and building stone uh, and Whoa. and i mean some of these boulders would be you know the size of like a van uh we had big rubber Holy t- cow. we had big rubber tired loaders and yeah. we're on the side of the mountain it, it was insanity uh and uh it was kind of fun for a year <laughs> it was kind of fun for a year but i definitely after a year i was ready to move yeah. on uh, so and then it was actually shortly after that when i decided that i was really going to try to uh you know create my own shop and uh you know have my own thing going so uh, i basically started a shop in a an industrial building uh, and uh, went to work doing all the stuff the kinds of stuff i'd always done with a, a big mix of architectural commissions and production work uh, and just kind of kept doing yep. that and and over you know so that was you know 20 three years ago or something. Uh, And uh, over that last 23 years, I've, you know, I've always kept the shop going. I've had, you know, times when it was just me, times when there was most of the time one person working for me, sometimes more, uh, but it's never been like a big operation. I I just, that's not really what I want. Uh, But I have, during that time, I've also taken on, I've gotten into other things as well during that time. Uh, But I keep coming back to it. Uh, so <laughs> that's great so um so in that amount of time uh you said you like kind of doing some other things and that's kind of one of the things i was one of the things i was interested in is you have um this like passion for blacksmithing which you've always had it's always like drawn you back in um and it seems like you have always kind of come at it in the perspective of 
doing it because you love doing it. And, and obviously some of, I mean, it's all part of it. Some of the production stuff is part of it. Some of the, you know, like the architectural stuff is, and then the artistic stuff, that's all part of that passion. Um, I, and, and I was going to ask you like, if this is something that you've done for a long time and now it's, it's more of a business, then do you have like side hobbies? But it seems like you kind of answered that you've said you've done kind of piecemealed back in other things all along the way yeah, um, and then always kind of come back to blacksmithing. Well, it's such physically demanding work uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the repetitive motion stuff and just the fact that you're, you're actually moving pretty fast all day. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it, it really, but it also just all the stuff you breathe, like you, you can't really avoid it. Uh, yeah. So it's always, right. it's always felt to me like, I can I, I know when it's time and I, I just need to get away from it for a little while. Uh, and so that that's been a, a big right. big yeah. part of all that. And then uh, it has never for me become just a business. Like if it became that, like I could mm. find much, yeah. much easier ways to make money. I can promise you that. It's just like right. it, it, it's <laughs> it's it's really yeah. hard. Uh, I mean so right. you know, the the money part of it for and I guess I've always i mean i've been fortunate that i have been able to to have that perspective uh, but I, it's also been i guess a bit of a discipline for me to you know just make sure that that's you know where my priorities are with it uh, it's it's just not uh, right. it's something that i like, you know, anybody who really gets into it, it's like it's in your blood and you just you just want to keep doing it. You know, uh, it's not really uh, yeah. it's about anything other than that. And I guess uh, at the times when I felt like, you know, it was I was getting overworked by it or, you know, it did not I, I didn't have that feeling anymore. I, I guess I've been fortunate that I've been able to step away and do other things and rest up or right. whatever and come back to it. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's I mean, I think that's important just as a, a way to get some perspective on the thing that you love is right. to be able to having that ability to step back because I think so many people get into, like you said, if it, like you're in the business for it and it becomes just the job and it's repetitive and then you're you're, you know, you're not excited to get into it again. And of course, there's yeah. there's the reality of being adult and having to make money and you know yep. that there's there's a there's a job aspect to what we're doing and sometimes you sometimes you're not excited about going in and doing it, but you know, you got to do that. But then having that ability to step back a little bit and just me as a, as a fine artist, as well as a craftsman, you know, when I, because I do a lot of different things, when I go back to doing something, like when I, when I get my paints out and I go back out to the landscape and paint for a couple hours, it's just so refreshing to be able to go back into that and then had having some had time away from it and really enjoy that, like yeah. that aspect, that experience again. So right. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's like, um, throwing a frisbee you don't want to do it all day but you haven't done it for a while it's, it's good to really chuck one right absolutely <laughs> it is yeah it really is um so let's so you've been doing it for so long and then what made you want to switch over to doing uh cookware was it was it an idea of you wanted to do something that a lot of people would use or was there a love in 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 food 
No, it was, uh, <laughs> this was, uh, you know, six years ago or so, and I had taken a little break and gotten away from blacksmithing, and uh, quite often, you know, when I get away from it and I decide I want to get back to it, like, I know that all I have to do is just go in there and start doing something. Uh, and so mm -hmm. that's, that's what I did. I just, I went in and I started making something and very quickly that spark came back and uh, I was not really sure what I wanted to do, but I was, I was making some little sculptures and some little, you know, I was actually making some trivets actually, some, you know, for putting on a, a table uh, was the thing that I was mm -hmm. most interested yep. in. Mm -hmm. And this guy who was working upstairs, uh, there's another metal shop upstairs from me, uh, mm -hmm. came down a couple times and was just, you know, adamant that he wanted to come in and start learning some blacksmithing. Uh, and so he came in and we started, uh, I actually, we started making some of my old production pieces uh, and uh, <clears throat> using it as a, as a tool to, you know, just teach. And uh, one day he brought, this right. he brought this magazine article in about carbon steel cookware. And I remember sitting down and mm -hmm. reading that article. And as soon as I read it, I thought, I just got to do this. Like it just like the, the scale, <laughs> the scale of it. You know, I mean, at this point, I'm in my late 40s and I'm, I'm kind of done with big and heavy, you know, <laughs> uh, like that's mm -hmm. that just uh, doesn't work very well for me anymore. Uh, and so the scale of the skillets, I, I went through a thing where I'd, I got into jewelry about, I don't know, 10 years ago. I did that for two or three years, which was a great experience. I'm really glad I did it, but I want to work bigger than that. Uh, and uh, so the, 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 the scale of the skillets was, was really kind of just right. And, uh, you know, reading that, you know, and in Europe and Asia, that's what all, all the good cooks have a carbon steel skillet or wok in their kitchen, right? Uh, mm, and just thinking right. about the, the trends in our country of people getting into cooking uh, and the possibilities of, with my background of playing around with all these ways of doing decorative things uh, with pieces of metal and how I could, uh, you know, use the, just the idea of a skillet as sort of a blank canvas and go from there. Like it, it just, I immediately thought it just, you know, it rang true for me. Uh, so I started working on it right away. Like mm -hmm. I, uh, I dropped what I was doing and uh, just kind of went full bore. Uh, and uh, it was a big part of the attraction was uh, the fact that the people use these things and handle these things so much. Yeah. You know, the historically blacksmiths not only make almost all of their own tools, but they make the tools for most of the other craftsmen as well. Uh, and uh, there's, right. it, it's yeah, different. Right. It, there's just something different. You know, when you hang something on a wall, it's not the same as when you're handling it every day and you're doing something with it and you're, you develop this, you know, relationship in space where uh, you're feeling the thing uh, regularly. And so, I, that was something that I had never 
really found before. I mean, I've made a lot of furniture, you know, which obviously people are sitting on it and eating on right. it, and and all. But it's still it's not the same as a skillet where people are picking it up and washing it, and their food is going into it, and they they really do develop a relationship with it. That's just you know because of the the constant use and the proximity. It's it's more intense than if it's hanging on the wall or whatever. Uh, and that that really attracted me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, so uh, that was what got me going with it. And, and honestly, like I. I've cooked an incredible volume of food with three athletic boys who are now in their 20s, but I'm not a great cook. Like that, <laughs> that's, I mean, I'm okay, but, uh, and I, I can certainly crank it out, but uh, like that was not really my big interest was the cooking thing. Uh, I've become a much better cook uh, since I, you know, started right. uh cooking with these skillets and thinking about it more. Uh, but that was, originally that was not really my big right, interest. Yeah. yeah. Where, where do you get these, um, if you're not the cook, where do you get these beautiful, in, who cooks your stuff for your Instagram and for all, all like your gallery? Like yeah, it looks like very complicated, beautiful, good food. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one of my sons is an excellent cook uh, and he's, he's done quite mm. a bit of that. And then, it's been, it's, people are into it, you know, people volunteer and uh, I often, you know, will trade, will trade a skillet for somebody and they'll get all into it. And it's really hard. Like food photography is difficult uh, and people get into the challenge of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So I have lots of customers that send me good photographs. Uh, it, and so it, it's been, That's awesome. I, I don't know how many different people have taken all those photographs. It's, it's been a lot. Nice. <laughs> that's great yeah and that was as you were talking about just the idea of of making something that then someone has a relationship with i think that is one of the things that really uh has has like fueled my desire to do more craft work than the fine art work that was my background that i went to school for i still love that work but there's there yeah like once you're finished that piece it kind of it's just sitting there someone can enjoy it visually but there's something different about building a relationship with this object or this thing where, you know, if I make a knife for somebody or if I make uh, it something else that they're handling and holding and using, they become familiar with, okay, this is the way I like to do it. Or this is this part right here. If I hold it this way, I can do this thing with it. And you build that relationship over time. I think that's something that's really important about craft is that you are creating the beginning of an experience for someone right. else absolutely um, and, and that's something and, that keeps bringing me back to it right and and the knife analogy is a particularly good one because just like knives the handmade pans actually cook better <laughs> than the ones that are stamped out uh, they're they're made right. out of, they're made out of right. thicker yeah. steel like nobody is stamping out carbon steel pans out of thicker steel uh, and so you just like mm, the the, right. the the stamped out ones, they warp and they don't spread the heat out as evenly as the handmade ones. Uh, so and, you know, just like with a knife, like the, the handmade knives tend to hold an edge better. Right. Uh, so that, that, it's mm -hmm. interesting that way that those two things uh, kind of go hand in hand that way. So, right. I mean, they're all like they're they're gorgeous uh all all the cookware you you make is Thank really you. cool really nice um what's the what was the um process like trying to get it right trying to find the right thickness like 
do you do you had did you have someone like your son or whoever like hey try this out or was there a like kind of a guidebook that you went with to like hey this is normally what the European skillets have. Oh no, it was absolute trial and error. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and fortunately, uh, Jack, the guy who uh, brought the magazine article in, who was there for the whole process of developing the the pans and the tooling and uh, all of that, he is a, a serious foodie, and so uh, he would take them. Yeah. And, and cook with them. But he also um, had a good friend who is a, you know, kind of well-known chef. Uh, and we would take them to him. Right. And uh, he loved them. And mm-hmm. we got lots of great feedback from him. Uh, and so uh, there, awesome. there, there were a few very good cooks involved. But, I, like, I, I, after a few, after, you know, a few iterations, like I could tell, I could take one home and put, on, put it on the stove and, you know, tell how it was doing. Like, I, they, they, they educated me, you know, about what, what it needed right. to do. And, and it's, uh, you know, the, you can start to tell just by how the food sears, you know, it, the, um, there, there's this certain quality of the sear that you get with carbon steel skillets. And, uh, you can just, once, once you start to do it, once you've done it a few times, you start to get a feel for it. Uh, it's not that complicated, Mm -hmm. you know. What do you think, what do you think the, um, advantages over a, a cast iron skillet like doing uh, carbon steel, is it like a maybe maybe some of a, a lightness to you know a, a workability with it? Right. So the the weight uh, is one reason that people often prefer carbon steel, and you know because the the carbon steel, the forged steel, is uh, so much stronger. Not only can we make them lighter, but we can mm-hmm. also do mm-hmm. these decorative things with them. Uh, and so, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's important to right. a lot of people, just the, the way it looks. Uh, and, but it also allows us to put yeah. these much, much longer handles on them. Uh, so, you know, like our skillets, uh, because of the way that we, <laughs> we split the handle and we make it long, the handle doesn't get hot on the stovetop. Like you, in a cast iron skillets oh, nice. have that very short handle because if it were any longer, it would break off. Uh, I mean, they break off anyway. Right. Uh, yep. uh, but with these, we can make yeah. them long enough that mm. you can still use the handle without it getting hot. Uh, but the, mm. the single biggest reason is the conductivity. The The forged metal mm. conducts much better than cast iron. So that just mm. gives you much finer control of the heat. So if you turn it up or down a little bit, the pan responds much faster. And so that's what you want when you're searing and browning. That, that's when that really matters, is when uh, you're trying to get just that right amount of crispiness on the outside of the food without drying it out on the inside. And so, you know, that's, for people who cook that way, these skillets make a huge difference. Uh, if, pe- if somebody, you know, does not do very much searing or browning, they, they just kind of scratch their head. They, they just don't uh, really see much of a difference in their, in their cooking. Uh, so, but that's, that, right. is, that is the, the, the single biggest reason is the conductivity uh, of the, the carbon steel. Right, that kind of that the sensitivity of the of exactly. the heat and control on the steel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um 
I was kind of looking back through some of your pictures in your gallery and your website and um, a little bit further back you had you had some really kind of beautiful patterning around the outside edges and the lip right. of of the different pans how are you how are you making that I was kind of looking at it and it's it's a pretty consistent pattern um, how's that happening are you using is that just tooling under the power hammer and being like careful about where it's placed or how does that work I'm interested. no it's this thing that I've been doing for 25 years where I take two plates of steel and put something in between them uh, in this case little round mm -hmm. bars that I take it's eighth inch round that we bend into a V and then curve the sides of the V. Uh, and so, you know, like yeah. on, a, on a medium skillet, there will be 45 of these little bars all the way around the outside of that thing. Huh. Uh, and then we actually oh, mig, wow. we MIG weld each one to around the edge of a circle of steel. Uh, and then we weld another circle of steel on top of that. Uh, and so I made all these jigs for that whole process, uh, and uh, we got it. Right. I mean, we, we got it where I mean, the only reason it makes any sense is because we're making two at once. Uh, if if that weren't the case, then forget. Gotcha. Uh, you know, that kind of like gets us over the line. <laughs> uh, and so we take that. <laughs> we, we call it, so once we have the two plates of steel together with the two bars, uh, I mean, the, the 45 little bars around the side all welded yeah. together, we get the whole thing hot and we forge it. And so uh, we're squishing the sandwich uh, where, and the plates deform around the bars. The bars deform as well. They squish out. They right. become very flat. And they're actually, they're really beautiful. I, I make jewelry out of those sometimes. Uh, and uh, Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> and then it's, it's uh, pretty labor. I mean, it's extraordinary labor, extraordinarily labor intensive. Uh, I mean, it's hot. Right. And, you know, it takes, you know, four or five heats to uh forge that thing down of just going as hard as we can with the power hammer and with the large skillets we actually have and the walks we have two people uh holding it under the power hammer it's it's just too much for one person uh Jeez. and so yeah the, we have the whole sandwich uh forged down and uh so we we avoid forging in the middle uh, so, you know, you want a nice heavy base. Right. Uh, and so that was mm. kind of the whole idea. The original idea behind that was this way you can have this extra heavy, thick base, uh, which is what you really want. Uh, but the whole pan is much lighter because the walls are forged way down. Uh, and so if, if the whole pan on those pans, yeah, yeah. on the artisan line, if the whole pan were that thick, it would be heavier than any cast iron skillet you ever picked up. I mean, it, it's, it's that much right, of a difference. Right, it's that yeah. much of a difference. Like, we really forge it down. Uh, and so uh, right, yeah. once we have the sandwich all forged down, we uh, let it cool and then cut the edges of the circle off where all the welds are just mm -hmm. I, I made like a turntable and a little holder for my plasma cutter and so we just slide it in there turn the plasma cutter on and spin the thing around and it cuts the whole edge off uh, and they just fall apart at that point and so now we have the two blanks which we can make the skeletons out of does that make sense 
Right. So you're just, you're just, yeah. So you're just tack welding the top of the V, the top of the curved V on the very edge. And you just cut that all the way around. Exactly. Cut that edge off. Yes. Right. And there, there are videos okay. out oh, there. Man, that's fascinating. Right. We have videos somewhere of all of that. I, I can't tell you exactly where oh, they've cool. been posted, but they're out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh, man, that's what a, what a cool process. And, and, I was thinking as you were as you're explaining it I, in my mind I'm imagining you're um you know forging the whole thing but then as you start to get okay you're working around the outside then it makes yeah. sense right because you're thinning right. out that outside edge which then becomes the lip and the sides and you know yeah that's, that's right. so cool was, was there sorry was there a point in time where you um was there a point in time where you went too far with not like a certain decorative element like i see the, the the majority of the pictures are very clean uh beautiful skillets with a really cool handle it, but it's very simple and clean and really nice did you ever go too far with decoration and go like well that's that's time and cost prohibited like, like we can't oh, sure. we can't do all of these like this yeah i mean that's what i do man like i i you know i've got I've always got more <laughs> more ideas that I need to try out, and I mean, I, I made an incredible amount of scrap metal mm-hmm. and, and working on my pans. But, you know, that, that's just that's what I'm into. I, I enjoy that. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So when did um, uh, you you say that it's it's you and your sons that are doing it? When did they get into it? Did was it something that they just did? They saw their dad doing all these years and got into right. it. Right. So none, how did they right. Start no, none of my sons are working anymore for me anymore. Uh, they've they've moved on okay. to other things, which is they're all in their mid twenties now. And if it's not if you're not you know totally driven to do this kind of work, then forget it. Like you should be doing something else. So right. Uh, right, right. <clears throat> one of my sons. Eli was very interested when he was young. And I mean, from the age of, you know, three or four, he was in the shop making stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, by the time he was six or seven, he was, you know, like really working with hot metal and all of that. And he's... He's got an. Uh, he doesn't even know how good the the talent that he has. Like because he hasn't worked right. in other shops. Like he, he, the only person he's ever worked with is me, and he, he has no idea of the the talent that he has. It's it's extraordinary. And he and I developed this incredible relationship at the shop. I'll never forget. There was a day he was probably twelve years old, and we were in the shop <clears throat> making stuff, and all of a sudden I realized we were both forging on the same anvil which is ridiculous you just don't do that oh wow and like it was it felt (laughs) like it was so comfortable like we just like we were that much in you know this connection of what the other one was doing and like it was no problem at all and we kept doing it you know for like an afternoon and like i thought like i would never do that with anybody (laughs) Uh, so eli has had that sort of right yeah just just awareness in the blacksmith shop from a very early age uh, and it's like it comes easily to him like I, i've never had anybody else work for me who has just gotten that comfortable with it uh, he's just he's extraordinary uh, mm. so uh, yeah. that that was very cool and then uh his brother sam uh 
he would come in and do stuff when he was young. Like when he was a teenager, you know, he's really into lacrosse, and we made a goal. And uh, actually, he made a oh, goal. Cool. <laughs> I just helped him. And I mean, yeah. we would do those kinds of things. And like, you know, when they were yeah. all like six or seven, and they were all into knights and stuff, we made swords and shields and all that. Uh, so I yeah, mean, they, yeah. they, they, all three of them were That's doing great. it. Uh, but at, at an early age, Eli was the only one that really got into it. But then uh, Sam got okay. into making the skillets when that came along uh, and uh, right. got very he's, – he's, Sam's just got this incredible spatial awareness. Like he just – like when you're walking down a street mm -hmm. with him, he's, he's one of those people who's like noticing the architectural elements on the sides of the buildings and asking questions and he always has been so like he mm. was right at home with it uh, and i i learned with all with both of those guys like i would teach them how to do something and get them going and walk away come back an hour later and most of the time i would learn something at that point i was like man i never thought of doing that that uh, way that's you know? awesome yeah i mean they they, they really do <laughs> have great. a certain aptitude for it uh, so that was very yeah. very cool and interestingly their their other brother gus who is a mechanical engineer uh, never really got into it much, <laughs> but he's he's actually mm -hmm. a mechanical yeah. he's a mechanical engineer in a fire brick factory now. Uh, go figure. And he he would come in and work some, and <laughs> uh, you know, but it just <laughs> it never really turned yeah. his crank as much. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Uh, so, right. uh, but it was a really great thing for us over COVID. Uh, you know, they, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. two of them were in college and came home and. They weren't real happy taking their classes online and stuff, and it, it really gave us a focus. Uh, and honestly, it, like at one point, you know, I would have one of them taking care of the website and all the marketing stuff, and they're very good at it. You know, young people just on the computer are a different animal. Yeah. Uh, and so that was great. And then, you know, all, right. all, all yeah. four of us, all four of us were. Uh, working on it and it was a really cool thing uh to uh, for us to do over covid and then after that they you know they each made their own decision they they had other things they have other things they want to do and i i i cannot fault them right. for that in the least and i strongly have en encouraged them to do other things you know this it's uh when people when young guys come in and say they want to work for me like I've learned like really the best thing to do is is discourage them a few times, and if they keep coming back, those are the ones that all right, <laughs> let's, let's do it. And then and then you know that they they're the ones who will actually just have the perseverance. I mean, it really it's a very slow craft, and it's yeah. uh, it's very you know learning it is very slow. Uh, so if it's not just burning inside of you, then you you should be doing something else. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, something that like our parents. So we have there are there are four of us, four brothers, um, mm -hmm. and our parents have always been very supportive of like every anything that we wanted to do. You know, like, mm -hmm. but then also just just being there, being caring and loving and supportive, and right. you know, so that's that's a huge um, a huge benefit 
to a young person's confidence and mind that right. you have support from your parents. Like yeah. I, as, as an artist, someone who went to art school, I paid a lot of money to go to college for art. My parents were always supportive of that. They were always, right. if this is what you do, if this is what you're passionate about, let's do it. Like they didn't have a ton of money. So they like, I can't, they couldn't pay for me. You know, they were able to help right. support me while I was there. And then they understood that this is, you know, and I understood that it was something I was taking on, but I had so many peers and so many friends who didn't have that support, who didn't have someone saying like, I believe in what you believe in. I believe that you want to do something that you're passionate about and you want to go forward through it. And, you know, and they were just, is it going to make you money? Is it going to, you know, is it going to pay the bills? What's your job after college? And a lot of that's really important. It's important to have some of that aspect, but it's also important just to have someone who's supportive of, of understanding that life is about, you know, being passionate and, and enjoying what you're doing. It's so short and, you know, making great connections, making great friends, having a great experience, and then being able to do that and support yourself and support your family all in a balance. You know, yeah, so it can't right. ever be just yeah. one thing or the other thing. You right. got to be able to figure out a way and, to balance and it. It's, it's not so. easy. Like whatever you do, you know, it's, you right. need that, you need that right. support. You know, you need, you really when, do. when, um, for yeah. sure. When you, so, the pandemic, I, get, I mean, a lot of people did get more into the hobby of cooking. And I mean, that's all a lot of right. people could do is say, well, let's stay at home and learn learn to cook yeah. or learn to bake. Um, did business pick up at all or, oh, or abso- how, how was it? I mean, yes, absolutely. It yeah. Was, yeah. And it, uh, before the pandemic, uh, I was taking these things into – Mostly high-end craft shows uh, was how I was selling them, mm-hmm. uh, and I hadn't really gotten the um, website sales going. And then, you know, the it was kind of perfect for me because I would much rather ship a bunch of skillets than haul them to sh- a show and and do all of that. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, right. yeah, you, you don't know, want to come it, up to Baltimore unless you have to. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it really, you know, we when the pandemic hit, I, you know, got the uh, website in much better shape, and Eli was uh, and Gus were, you know, built this new website, and uh, oddly. This was, it was still early in the pandemic, and they, Eli built the built the website, and the day we were going to launch it, this guy called me up and said, "Man, I've been looking at your pans. I'm an analytics guy. Uh, I'm looking to trade some work for uh, some skillets." And I said, "Well, you know, I, I need help with marketing. We're about to launch this website, and you could, you know." jump in and become a part of this and uh, he did and he and Eli worked together and we started selling a lot more skillets online than we had ever sold at shows so it worked out really really well you know it was very cool that's great yeah, yeah serendipity that's perfect right. timing. yeah that's it really great. was yeah 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 shows I feel like shows are so tough uh, especially the more and more modern well the 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 way the world changes I, people barely want to talk to anyone on the phone so i feel like at a show a lot of people they don't want to like they don't want to interact and, and chat and they'll just kind of like cruise by and look there it's is a so lot much better if you can get some type of so if, it's so much better if you can get like a uh 
obviously an online presence and and go through that and social media and it, it just spreads like wildfire to where all of a sudden you got way more um yeah work it, than it you does maybe one or like, you're like okay here we go right and the the carbon steel thing is a niche and what i'm doing is a niche mm. within that niche uh so i mean mm. you know like at a show a hundred people walk by and for whatever reason like Two of them are just absolutely, you know, turned on by these pans. Uh, and yeah. so it, it's a numbers thing, you know. Uh, the, uh, and so those same, you know, the same thing applies on the Internet. You're just getting a whole lot more eyeballs, you know. It, that's, that's the deal. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the nice thing about uh, a social media platform like Instagram or any of them is that it becomes more searchable, right? So you can, you can search for specific things. So you have people who are interested, you may, you may get the, the kind of the passerby in your analytics who, who found it because of someone else who said something and they just happened to like something that was similar. But with Instagram, you know, I can, I can search cast iron skillets if it's something i'm interested in that'll give me tons of people who are doing that or you know in the grand scheme of things way more than i would have ever seen at at you know half a dozen shows or just in my everyday day-to-day life you know it's i might never see that thing and that's one of those one of those things that's that i think is really nice about the community of social media there's a lot of things i don't like about social media but the community (laughs) aspect of it where we can connect with people like the fact that you and i were able to connect and you know and now have you on the podcast that's that's a really nice uh, aspect of social media that it's kind of puts people who with like interested like interests together yeah we yeah we go ahead go ahead uh we, we um we talk about that well, when we went to Maker Camp and certain things where we meet up with a lot of other people who make it's a positive social mm. media group because everyone kind of appreciates in in this group of people we appreciate um, hard work, we appreciate craft and art and beauty and a, a lot of those things. That is definitely a good group to be in. It's not. I, I don't find that it's toxic at all mm-hmm. right now yeah right yeah i agree and i think that's one of those one of those important points because there like i said there's a lot of you know there's a lot of negative negativity within social media and within this like this arena where you can say something and do something and there's <laughs> there's no face-to-face interaction there's no there's no kickback because you just turn off your computer and walk away, you know? So, right. but, yeah. but yeah, there is a lot of positivity in the kind of, in the maker community and the, just kind of people supporting people and, you know, shouting people out and, and just a lot of you know, collaborations and things. It's just, it's a, it's a really cool aspect to social media that I never knew until I, till we started the channel hmm. um, because I had, I never had done, I mean, I'd done Facebook and there were a few groups like I've always loved axes. So I've been part of the ax junkies community group on mm-hmm. Facebook for a long time. And that was kind of fun, but I like the Instagram community. Um, there's a, you can kind of connect with a more specific group of people mm-hmm. um, and find interests and find people. And there's right. a lot of, uh, a lot of growth and a lot of community built mm-hmm. in that and has really pushed our, you know, our channel and the, and the, you know, the people right. we know. It's great. I like, I is, like your, uh, that, you, your that... you, sorry, go ahead. I like your YouTube no, videos, ahead, your YouTube videos where you answer the trolls uh, comments and questions. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's really cool. <laughs> and, and you know, you get to pick and choose which ones you want to answer and 
Uh, it's right. it's actually it's very educational. You know, it's cool. Yeah, that's that's one of those things we thought of. There's a lot of uh, a lot of questions just over the over the years that have come through. A lot of the same questions where people were asking things, and so there have been multiple times we thought about, okay, well maybe we let's do a video on one of these questions that keeps get answered, keeps getting uh, um, asked over and over again because it's obviously something that I either didn't hit on well enough or right. it's just something that's interesting to enough people. I didn't realize at the and, time, so then we were like, Deb was like, well let's do some questions videos where we kind of bring back up those questions that we heard a lot over the years and answer them and try to get a little specific without getting too crazy and deep into it. So, right. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of those questions that you think are like, I think you told me dust. You're like, I, I don't know. Like, do people want to hear from me about this random stuff? <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe, or maybe not, but, right. but it's the questions you think are stupid or simple are not stupid and simple for 90% of the people watching or following social media. So it's like these basic things that you go, yeah, like do this or right, it's true. Yeah. Or like you were saying, Yates, like grind with your, your, your feet and you're like mm -hmm. from the lower body thing, all mm -hmm. these things that seem simple and obvious because you've done it so long. It, it might be interesting to other people. And then, yeah, then we throw on the, um, the, the oh, medium, the medium, <laughs> right. angry troll comments just for fun. Cause <laughs> it's, it's just fun to answer them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that has been fun. And it's, we, you know, like, and same thing with analytics and trying to, and trying to follow the numbers and stuff. You're like, okay, well, what types of things get, you know, get good views? Well, it's the sensational stuff that gets good views, but we don't want to really fall into that category. So right. we're like, how can we play it a little bit? You know, like, how do we, how do we uh, play that up? And one of the things that Devin said is that, you know, a lot of times you'll get these clickbaity titles in, in YouTube videos, and then they won't really address what they've talked about in the title until very later on in the video, you know, and you're like, I want to know right away why, you know, what is the greatest, you know, gun shot ever made in history, you know, like, yeah. and they don't get to it. So Devin was like, well, for the trolley videos, let's, let's do the title, kind of that clickbaity title. And then we'll get into that trolley comment. Yeah, answer, the first answer, thing we do. answer within yeah. the first, like, yeah, like write down, Dustin walks in, sits down, answers the question. If you want to hang around some more then then fine. But like, if, if all you really wanted to hear was the weird troll question, like we'll, we'll do that right off the bat. And then if you want to hang around for the rest of the stuff and show and tell, like, yeah, that's right. cool too. Yeah. <laughs> it's well done. I like it. All right. Thank you very Thanks. much. Yeah, it's been fun. It's one of the things that we try to, we were trying to find some other videos to kind of mix in because our longer projects just take longer, you know? So it's right. like, well, we could wait three or four weeks in between videos or we can kind of, we can do some of these question videos and kind of sprinkle them in here and there as well. Right. Helps us do some smaller stuff that we can have, fit in there. Have you thought, um, Yates about doing a YouTube channel or, or uh, something like that? Or is it just too much? Uh, we've talked about it and we actually, uh, we shot a bunch of video last week and we're putting a bunch of clips out, uh, nice. somewhere. Okay. Uh, and I, that's, I, we may have already put some out. I don't know. I'm, I really, uh, I, it's better if somebody else does that. Let's just put it that way. So, uh, but yeah, and we've, we yeah, have, no. but we, we haven't you know, done a whole lot of, you know, the kind of detailed uh, recipes sort of, or, you know, really explaining a project the way, right. the way, the way that you guys right. do. Yeah, we haven't really done that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've thought about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you, I, I think if you, that's the thing. Yeah, you don't want to take away from. You can't spend all day on on doing videos and editing. It's it takes it's a lot of work. Obviously, that's why Dustin and I split it up. Um, mm. But if you, yeah, if you can get someone, there's there's such a lack of professional um, craftsmen like yourself. People have done it for a long time. There's a lot of people who have done a little bit of this and that, like like Dustin kind of done a little bit of everything and we'll just show it. But right. if if I feel like there's such – anytime I see someone who who's done it for so long and are pros, it's like, oh, man, if you could get on there, you would really show people how it's done and really – lay on some uh some um, some facts and info on people that that people would love yeah i yeah. i thought about doing yeah. that yeah yeah i think uh, um one of the things that we talk about especially more recently on this on this podcast is the 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 mystique and the the beauty of like uh, asian culture when they're working on things and i think that goes back to kind of where we started you were saying yates is like it's it's about it's all part of the art right it's each part of the thing is is in the moment when you're creating something as a craftsman it's all there and you really see that when we're when like i'll look at a documentary of you know some type of japanese craftsman who's doing something and you can just tell that each part of it is is as it seems as important as every other part you know like just the process of getting up in the morning and starting the fire and then you know getting out your tools and materials and cleaning them and then getting ready and all the process all the setup it all seems just as important as then working through the whole thing and then the final piece like there's nothing that's rushed or pushed aside or or done as secondary it's each thing is is part of the art in the moment you know maybe that's kind of that zen concept and something that i've always I've, I've, yeah, it's kind of always naturally been interesting to me. So right. maybe that's yeah, the, uh, that's the thing. Maybe that's what you're looking for, Devin, in the, like, in the video is that the, the level of, of ability, the a level of skill that is maybe missing in some things in YouTube. You don't see it as much where you have people who have a really high craft ability than showing what they're doing. So even, even if it were just like you saying, you guys are doing some videos of what you're doing, Yates and putting mm-hmm. those up on YouTube, you know, just showing that if nothing else, that definitely can't hurt your business at all. Right. right. You know, like right. when people could see that and they, yeah. and they, they feel the story of what you're doing as well as then seeing that final product. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed your video of the uh, rock stacking. Uh, you know, oh, um, nice. yeah. you, 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 you did that. Like there's that long period where Devin is just trying to feel that rock that's sitting there. And then Abe somehow. Yeah, Dustin. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, Derek. Dustin, uh, Derek. Yeah. Derek, yeah. I'm sorry, Derek. I'm sorry. Uh, and he's just trying to feel that rock. No, that's right. No, that's we, fine. We, we get that all the time. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it goes on. And then somehow, like, just all of a sudden the rock is balancing, right? It was beautiful. It was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, my brothers really enjoyed that for a long time. And, uh, it was really interesting to see the cycle because it was something that I actually kind of introduced him to him without trying to by showing him the work of Andy Goldsworthy. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's really like inspired him over the years. It was really cool. So it was fun to be able to do that video. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, 
I wanted to, uh, so we're getting to the point, it's getting a little bit further on in the podcast, and I want to ask you to tell us a disaster story. So we've kind of heard your story from where you started, you got inspiration, you, all these different things you've done over the years, so I'm assuming you have all sorts of fun, uh, you know, stories about things that didn't work out. Obviously, you said you love making scrap metal. So scrap metal that's, pile. That's the, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, that really so is kind of So we love to ask specialty. our guests. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, right. So <laughs> honestly, I mean... It's almost, sometimes it seems like any blacksmithing project that's worth doing has a disaster story. I mean, that, that's just kind of the nature right. of it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really is kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the skillets go, probably the biggest disaster story, or definitely the biggest disaster story is uh, the handles. Uh, so I... Um, mm. When I started making the handles, like, I had a pretty good idea of, you know, I mean, I knew I wanted it to feel good in the hand, right? And, and the, the basic shape right. that I ended up arriving at was the one that I knew was probably going to feel the best. Uh, and, it's, and I also just, right. I liked the, the gracefulness of it. And, uh, and so I spent, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a week, maybe even two weeks kind of, you know, making that handle using traditional blacksmithing techniques and refining it, you know, and getting all of the thicknesses down to where the thing looked right and felt right. And then finally, after a week or two or whatever, I made one. I was like, ah, that's it. Uh, I finally did. I made I made the right handle for that pan. And, and like, I just yeah. knew it. And then... I proceeded to do this thing, which, I mean, blacksmiths talk about it. Like, I, like I've been doing this work for 35 years or whatever at this point, and I tried to idiot-proof it, uh, which right. you, you just can't do. Like, we all know it. And, <laughs> and I literally spent over a month, maybe six weeks, trying to figure out all these ways to make this handle without having to really, you know, be present and do it as a blacksmith. And I, I mean, it was, nah, in, in hindsight, right. in, in hindsight, it was absolutely comical. Uh, you know, I mean, I literally, that's all I did for over a month was try to find ways to, to make it easy. And it never, like, finally, right. I gave up. And I, I totally filled up my scrap bin. Uh, I, you know, I went, <laughs> I mean, I used, went through all these different, you know, tools. I made a bunch of tools. I made a bunch of jigs. I did all kinds of stuff. And I arrived back at just mm-hmm. using eyeballs, uh, which, of course, is yeah. the way, you know, right. obviously is the way. That's, that's what makes it look like, you know, something that's alive and something that a person made. Right. Uh, so uh, I knew better. That, that's why it was such a disaster. Was I, I mean, I did learn a lot from it in terms of specifics uh, of, you know, some of these tools I made and some of the processes that I was tinkering with, but I knew better at that point, you know, so that's my disaster story. That's, that's, that's fascinating because I think that's maybe the first time that I've heard someone talk about the, the pitfalls that you can run into when you're trying to make something really efficient. Yeah, you lose you might I guess yeah you lose some of that you lose being in the moment you lose some of what made it originally what was exciting 
you yeah, know it's right. like the the blacksmithing the hands hands-on aspect of that and yeah. i mean i've heard a lot of people talk about you know you you come up with a process and you come up with efficiencies for that process to make it work as best as possible and smoothly as possible and right. repeatable when you're doing something like you're doing you want to be able to repeat that thing over and over you've put a ton of time into making it just right so then how do you repeat that but then you're taking yeah that's that's fascinating then you're taking away that personal you know experience of putting into it of what you're putting into it and what you've the time and effort right and you're and also you know that's what a yeah go ahead well you're also robbing yourself of the experience of continuing to refine that process right. like I, I still i still learn things from making those handles you know i mean i'm still getting better right. at it and uh, it, it like that there's um when you try to to make the whole thing very rigid and very um repeatable in a way where it can't be messed up you're losing actually the opportunity to learn from the process uh, there's no doubt mm -hmm. right yeah you've disconnected yourself from you that, have exactly the activity of making it you're just yeah. like you've turned it into just the process or you turn it into a, a machine that does it for you right and, and there's obviously there's important aspects to that. And like you said, there was a lot of things you learned along the way. And I'm sure there's tooling that you made that you consistently now use when you're doing it. So there are aspects of it. But yeah, I, I, I like when you started that story, you're saying this is something that blacksmiths always do. And I was like, I was excited. Like, what do they always do? What do they do? That's wrong. <laughs> it's like trying to take out, take the hand away from it. That's like, right. What is it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> but yeah, right. If if you get too far, it too too automated and too like, there's a jig for this and wrap this around, and anyone could do this, and then then you know, people are wondering why, like, wh all right, why shouldn't I just go to Walmart and get the whatever, blah blah blah, for thirty dollars? They're they're willing to pay uh, what it should be a bit uh, a high price for something that they know is handmade and the and the creator is present and and you're getting uh you're getting a piece of art and something that will last a lifetime so that's mm -hmm. you know that you are you're like hey this is what i'm offering something special right yeah. absolutely yeah and, and it's having that knowledge that someone has made this thing and they've also looked it over and they made sure that it's as high quality as they're saying it is when they're giving right. it to you, you know, right. you're not getting yeah. something that's the half quality, right? Cause right. you've put your time and effort into it. And when you make mistakes, those ones don't get sold. They get tossed in the scrap pile. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. All right. Um, well, uh, do you have a uh, recommendation for our listeners? Yates? Um, well, the thing that is really on my mind these days uh, that I like to share with people is the uh, notion of dynamic stillness, uh, which is uh, it's a word that essentially represents a meditative state, uh, and it's what mm -hmm. uh, osteopaths and craniosacral therapists use. And... Uh, one of the things that is so uh, beneficial as well as fascinating about it is that if somebody is able to uh, enter this state, they can share it with others. And that, that's what osteopaths and craniosacral therapists do. Uh, and uh, it's, it's really fascinating to me. Uh, so I would encourage people to check out Dynamic Stillness. 
any any specific um like book or website or something that you would recommend uh, or just have them just search for that in general uh you can search for it in general there are a lot of different um perspectives and uh you know it's something that has evolved uh over time and is also it's you know it's talked about using different words and and many other contexts but uh the the website right. that uh i would recommend is dynamicstillness.com uh which is uh you know just one of those, uh, but it, I think it's very. Uh, right. well, I, that is the website of a man named Charles Ridley, who uh, I think really knows what he's talking about. Awesome, uh, that's great. So, cool. just to get into that a little bit, mm -hmm. you you say it can it can connect you to others? H how do you mean? Right. So it, it's a meditative state, and uh, in, in which you. Uh, I mean, you can you can feel it, uh, and you can mm -hmm. if you are in that state, and I mean, really through the power intent of intention, but particularly uh, if you, you know, touch somebody and, or hold somebody, uh, you know, like I mean, that's what osteopaths and craniosacral therapists do. They they put their hands on you. Uh, and they, they go into the state mm -hmm. and, and they call it the laws of entrainment uh, and it just like if, if the person is receptive uh, I mean it's not really something you can force on anybody it's, it's definitely requires mm -hmm. you know a certain amount of relaxation as well as receptivity uh, and uh, if you're open to that uh, you start to enter that state as well uh, and at that point, the idea is you just relax into it. It's uh, it's something that feels good and invites you to relax into it. And uh, if you know what's going on and you're you know in an environment that you trust and you trust the person uh, and you can relax into it, you will probably relax more deeply than you have in a long time. And does this does this influence your your creativity and your your state of mind for for making oh absolutely it, it, it influences every aspect of your being mm. that's great yeah and it, obviously people who use their bodies for craft or for their job or for their life you know i'm sure any and we're always looking for something to ease the pains ease the the soreness and the stiffness and the movement and you know especially like with with such a active dynamic movement with blacksmithing i'm sure there's like you know this seems like something that would work perfectly with that i, yeah, I think so and and now i can see maybe why i can see why you like the rock bouncing because you you sound like our brother derek uh, he's yeah. always like <laughs> one with the rock steady ground yourself right. he's very yeah, I intuitive was that. that way so it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's right up your alley. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's cool. That is the first state of being recommendation we've ever had. So <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Deb, you have a recommendation? Uh, I'm going to – man, I'm going to follow that. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to cheat like I normally do, but I'm not going to recommend the same thing I've recommended over and over again. Okay. Like the last couple weeks. But I will cheat and say – Really, if you haven't read Kitchen Confidential, read that. Anthony Bourdain's first book. It's funny and interesting. And, I mean, 
if you've ever watched his shows, he's such a great writer. Um, and also he's the reason why I never order well done steak. Like, you know, since, <laughs> since I was a young man, since I read the book, because he, he just says like, you're a fool because they're just giving you whatever crap is left over. Whatever is about to spoil it doesn't matter because you won't oh. tell because I'm going to okay. cook it well done. So, mm-hmm. that, so <laughs> right. I, th- I thank him for that. Yeah, I never heard that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah, like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It's right at the end of the month. We got the steak left over. There's some people want it well done. So, we're, if we're going to cook the crap out of it, you know, whatever. Just give give them whatever's left. If if you want something medium or rare, they're going to have to give you something of you know whatever's quality in the in the freezer because yeah, you're tasting that. Yeah, right. It works perfectly with the skillets, right? That sear on the outside yes. holds all the juices in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, Dustin Small, a namesake of mine. Um, and that's Small Bar Smithy on Instagram. He's a blacksmith um, in Saskatchewan, Canada. Someone that I've found through, um, I think, through the Fordside Chat, which is another podcast uh, that I listen to occasionally that's blacksmithing-centered. Um, he just makes some really beautiful uh, tools, really beautiful hammers. Um, and the reason why I'm recommending him is, other than the fact that we have a blacksmith on and I'm recommending another blacksmith, but um, he, the way he... Uh, decides for the, like, his shapes of his tools his shapes of his hammers and things they're they're just a little different than other ones i've seen they they break the mold a little bit he uses some interesting um combinations of steels and then also just just the subtle shapes and chamfers and and head sizes and things that he does is just a little bit different than some other ones that i've seen um and whenever i see him post something or he puts up some of his work or a tool i'm always I'm, it always like captivates me that he he kind of finds some of these other shapes now he also uses some really traditional shapes as well on hammerheads or um the tools that he makes but it just looks like he kind of he it takes a little bit um of a different angle sometimes which i think is just interesting and something that i think of um when i'm making things is like how can i do it in a way that um relates to my own aesthetic but also relates to history and and a combination of those two things so again that's uh, dustin small and small bar smithy on instagram cool all yeah. right well yates it was a pleasure to have you yeah thanks you um, i appreciate it a lot i hope you uh yeah absolutely and and it, you your story was as fascinating as I hoped it would be. It's great to hear all the the everything you've been through and mm. and the you know the way you've like involved different people in your life and your family and that's really important to us as well. And I think you know that's that not everyone has that in their life and so it's really special um, to have that and to hear someone else talk about it. And we've we have a great relationship with our parents and and still we all live in the Baltimore area and see each other pretty often and we have worked together on different things over the years and obviously Devin and I work together on the pod on the podcast and the YouTube channel. So right. <laughs> cool. It's nice to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's Athena Skillets. Anyone who wants to check it out, you can go to Athenaskillets.com um and or his Instagram Gorgeous stuff, beautiful stuff. Um, yep. uh, yeah, so we'll have to come down to Lexington sometime sure. and go to some restaurant that uses that uses your your right. pans, and we'll yeah. we'll eat eat drink and be happy. We'll but do it. Yeah. Where else can we? Yeah, yeah, right on. Where where else can we find you? What what's uh, your Instagram handle and, and whatever else? 
Uh, I honestly don't remember all that stuff, and I don't have it in front of me. Uh, <laughs> so, That's fine. <laughs> uh, but I, basically, uh, on any of those things, Athena skillets is pretty easy to find. I think on it, Instagram, was gotcha. Athena, Ath- yeah. I, I can't remember. I'm not going to say because I can't remember. Athena I, okay. underscore. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, now I pulled it up. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes. People can find you and check Thank out you. the beautiful work. Thanks. And uh, I'll send some people there and hopefully they'll buy some stuff and, Great. and uh, support you. Then you can keep on making and keep on, uh, you know, enjoying the craft. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you very much. All right. And everybody else, thank you guys. Make sure you don't forget to uh, head over to YouTube and check out the work that we're putting up there. Um, we're working on the new project, the Chopper Challenge Project, which is the Gunstock uh, War Club. That's been kind of fun. It's not up there yet, but it'll be up there soon. Um, also, if you're listening to this on Friday, my plan is to do a live stream on Friday if I have the time after I get home from work. So oh, yeah. if you're if you're hearing this, pop in sometime in the afternoon, probably around 5.30 or so. I'm trying to do a live stream in the shop tomorrow, which is t- today if you're <laughs> listening to it on Friday. <laughs> this, that, yeah, that was the curse of us. Like, hey, we're going to do this chopper challenge tonight real early. And now we're we're struggling. Well, not we're not struggling. We just we've been so busy to get that done. But that's not going to be out for a while. So we're we're trying right. to fill in. We're going to do some lives. We're going to do some more question videos yeah. um, and some smaller stuff. But we're we're still creating stuff. It's just we're trying to prepare better for this this yeah, new one. But we one, which we, is we also yeah. want to. We're going to put some stuff out before yeah. that. Yep. And uh, you can head over to Instagram and follow both Devin and I at the Art of Craftsmanship and at the Art of Camera Guy. You can follow Yates at Athena underscore Skillets. And uh, and if you guys want to support us um, further, you can head over to Patreon.com and support us there. And all that support at Patreon goes right back into the channel. And then also, if you're there, you can you can be part of our Discord. You get a little you know behind the scenes talking and chatting and more personal setting there, which is really interesting, um, as well as just the other benefits. And all that stuff goes back into the channel. So if you are supporting us there, thank you so much. We really appreciate all that. And on that note, Yates, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Devin, always a pleasure to chat with you and everybody else. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you next time.